Ben, what's the crack? How are you doing? Good, good. I'm excited. I'm excited to have a guest I'm, on. I have nervous excitement running through my veins right now. A bit, a bit like before your stag. <laughs> a bit like before my stag, but um, yeah, I'm nervous. Like, I've never done an interview before, have you? No, never, never. It's a bit of a milestone uh, for our podcast. Yeah, it's really exciting. Um, I was just watching old YouTube videos of Parkinson from back in the 90s, so I'm not sure... It was Parkinson and Muhammad Ali. Oh, yeah. So hopefully <laughs> that, that will inspire me today. Parkinson used to be a great show. Um, but yeah, so um, should we announce the world number one disability golfer, Kip Poppert, has decided to, uh, stupidly or, or <laughs> sensibly, I don't know, he's decided to come on the pod with us. Um, and we have been very excited to speak with him. Um, he obviously has a very busy schedule, so we're very thankful for him to come on. So, yeah, I think it's gonna be good. We uh, a lot of a lot of our followers on Instagram will be aware of him. We, he's been wearing quack stuff for last year, eighteen months, um, and he just he's had an absolute standout year. He is by far and above the best disabled golfer. He has cerebral palsy, um, but doesn't start stop him playing off like a plus four handicap, which is incredible. Plus five, so uh, it'd be good to good to have a chat with him and just see what his plans are for the year. I know he's got aims to kind of go pro and go to Q school, all that sort of stuff. So he's just one of these people that I, like I'm not also nervous because he's just so impressive. And I know. Like, you know, it's he's like one of these people that are like, "What did you do when you were <laughs> 25?" You know what I mean? So like, um, I, you're I you're nearly 35 and you're stumbling over a podcast. <laughs> What's Hello up? Guys. Hello. Kip is in the building. Background. I like it. Thank you. We've been working hard. We've been prepping for this. How are things? Very good. Very good. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Yourselves? Very good. Very good. Uh, Kip, obviously, we know each other. We've been communicating quite a bit uh, the last kind of year or so. Uh, mm-hmm. My friend here, Patrick, uh, is not part of Quack, but he has quickly become the host of our podcast just because okay, he nice. is our resident golf sicko. He loves golf. Right. Loves it. Friend of the brand. Yeah, friend nice. of the brand. Kip, thanks very much for coming on, taking the time. No, no. Day. no, absolutely no. It's no good, no problem. How many golf balls have you already hit today? None. None? Today, yeah, rest day. I've hit I'm, more uh, golf I've balls than you really hard the last. I've been training hard the last, like, six, seven weeks. I was just knackered, so I've had three days of very not very much. So feel Okay, much good, good. good. Yeah. Well, I've hit 60, Kip, so... Um, oh, there you go. You're better than me. <laughs> um, so listen, Kip. Um, obviously, again, thank you so much for coming on. Um, and I'm not sure if you've listened to us before. Um, but we're, we're a very sort of golfy, non-golfy podcast, so nice. We can chat about everything and anything related to Perfect. loosely related to golf. Um, so. In that vein, I, I suppose the best question to start with is, um, like, what are your main interests outside of golf that we don't know about? Uh, hanging out with my mates. Um, nice. I like going to the gym. Uh, yeah, uh, I like cricket in the summer, but I don't cricket, get to play. Okay. now. I now I sort of play a lot, you know, golf a lot more. I don't really have much time yeah, yeah. for things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, to be honest, just hanging out with my mates. Um, 
doing anything just, but golf. Yeah. Just being home, I suppose, is it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then, yeah, I mean, I, I probably drink a bit too much, but I'll <laughs> back on that a little bit. Are you uh, a Guinness fan? I am a massive Guinness fan, yeah. Oh, yes. I, went, I went over to Ireland in... My, one of my good friends here is Irish, so we went over for St. Patrick's Day on... I think it was two years ago, and we went to Galway. Um, yeah, nice. And that, that, we, it was when the Rugby Six Nations was on. So we started in the pub at, like, 12, and I had my first Guinness. You know the Guinness challenge where you try to get it bef- between the... <laughs> and the, the, and the harp. I, I was trying all evening. I had I ended up having 11, and I was and I was like three. Oh, my God. They were still pouring <laughs> Guinness. I was still having Guinness. I don't know how I did it, but it was just tastes so much better than here. And then also... I don't know. I was like, just so every time I'd start it, try the challenge, and be like, well, the only way to try another, do the challenge again is to see it off. So, okay, yeah, Kip, I, like I think okay, you, you, fit in, in. you fit in very well on our golf trip. So, we'll yeah, just get yeah. you on the next one. Absolutely. Uh, okay, two minutes in, we've already started talking about 11 points of Guinness. <laughs> um, so, I mean, like, because you travel a lot, then, like, would you be. Would you be comfortable with being our Guinness correspondent in different countries? Because we've always wondered how they taste in America. That, and... I would I would be more than comfortable to do that. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Ben, yeah. when you get the terms get, and conditions and the contract. I'll get the contract up signed up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Take your time there. Uh, don't worry. <laughs> yeah, I've got this podcast. Thing I tried right. one in tried one in Dubai. It wasn't great. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It generally doesn't travel very well, although someone said Nigeria. We discussed it on a pod before. Nigeria. No, I need pop- to get to, we need the golf event in Nigeria. <laughs> I think that's it, Nigeria. <laughs> I'll my, be honest I, with my agent. I'll be like, I've got a reason to be in Nigeria. Yes. <laughs> I, I don't know if it's good. I just know that sales are high in Nigeria. Oh, um, okay. I think they said that on the tour, but I mean, yeah. I, I also may have had 11. Anyway, <laughs> um, so that's great. Um, so, the geez, that's thrown me here now. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so your interests are Guinness, brilliant. Um, so Kip, you grew up in Kent in England, and um, I just before I get into it, but the the Sky Sports documentary, I absolutely loved it. It was really inspirational, great watch, um, and I'd highly advise anyone to go and catch catch up on it. But Kip, ever since I saw it, I I've known that we've tried to be getting you on this podcast and the first question that I've always wanted to ask you is your principal or your schoolmaster his name is Francie Healy yeah he sounds like a prop for Munster Rugby back in the 90s like I've I could tell I could sense an Irish accent in his voice he's Irish but I think he's far from a prop Uh, (laughs) I hope you don't see this but I would I don't think his athletic abilities are very good. So he's definitely Irish. That He had to be. Yeah, Francie, he's 100% Irish. Yeah, he loves it as well. Yeah. Um, and I suppose, do you have any, is there any Irish relations in your family yeah, history? So or any? My, yeah, my my dad's mum was Irish. So he's a half. And okay. Half yeah. Oh, okay. Class. Okay. Yeah. Where, um, what county here, do you know? Um, I think it's near Cork, to be honest. It's the oh, yeah. Man of our own. <laughs> Who is this guy? Sign this guy up. <laughs> um, while we're on uh, countries, uh, Popert, are we pronouncing it correct? Popert or Popper? Yeah, yeah. Popert, yeah. Every, everyone sort of gives it a go. Like, it gives me a giggle on the first tee. Yeah. Know, and then like, read my name out. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, got it. The what? In America, I played an event and the guy comes up to me and goes, 
how do you pronounce your name? How's it? Is it Popper or Popra or? And I told yeah. him Popper, and you know he kept repeating it, repeating it to me. I was like, you're fine, mate. You'll give, you know, you'll be all right. It's so, on the it's so... from England, Kip Popra. <laughs> <laughs> no idea, but we'll go with it. Yeah. Um, it gives me a wee smile when I uh, get to go on the first tee. I'm like, what name are they going to give me today? <laughs> where Where is it actually from? It sounds Dutch or something. Uh, yeah, I'm not too sure. I know my dad's told me that we, I think the family originated in Russia, then moved through Spain and Portugal and stuff like that, maybe Netherlands. Um, yeah, okay. and then the Irish is a bit of Irish gypsy, so Spain, oh, nice. Portugal, and Ireland probably like <laughs> so well. So. That's a great mix. Yeah. It sounds like that, um, it sounds like that fancy smelling flower stuff that you put in bath bathrooms, potpourri, <laughs> is it? All oh, right, never, kip, never tried it. Yeah, I can, um, I can be the quack try of that if you want. Yeah, okay, we're no, really kip, kip, one at a time here, right? <laughs> yeah, the Guinness, exactly, yeah. Guinness correspondent, all right. Um, so I, I was just wondering then, um, it looks like from the documentary that your home course is a parkland style course, mm-hmm. so you obviously grew up as a parkland sort of junior golfer and stuff. Would you have played like so? On this podcast and covered it here, we're huge Lynx golf fans. And yeah. sometimes in the comments and questions that we get from our listeners, they give out to us because some of them think that we don't understand the Parkland golf is a thing. Brilliant. But um, so just wondering, like, would you have played much Lynx golf as a junior for where you lived in Kent? And yeah, yeah. like, so in, I live in a place called Seven Oaks, it's just uh, south of southeast of London. Um, Wilderness is Parkland, but I've always been quite good in at links and in the wind because um my coach was an hour away down okay. on the coast so from the moment i started with him um when i was call it 14 he had me playing links golf because he he grew up in scotland so he, he always said that you know links golf there's a lot more transferable skills you know it's a lot if you're off plus two playing links golf you're probably a better plus two than a parkland golfer just because you have to control your ball flight and spin Mm. Um, and then the other reason to be honest is um i hit i don't hit it with much spin so growing up with my legs with the um deformities i had in my feet that i had operated on they they're basically massive bunions or they were massive bunions if anyone knows mm. what they are um and just the way i walk put pressure through my feet and that meant that i couldn't turn through the ball so i'd have to use my hands so my swing till i got the bunions when I was maybe about nine and then um till the last one was done i think maybe when i was 18 or so I basically couldn't turn very well so I would just use my hands so I've always been I've always had really good control of the club face because I I think you know in golf too many people um you know you go for a golf lesson you know first thing they say is get to the top like Brooks Kepka with a bowed left wrist or whatever and then hold on you know don't use your hands I'm like yeah How can you just play a sport without your hands your hands are attached to the golf club so right. I think it's better to use your hands and learn how to use them properly um and anyway so because I couldn't turn, I couldn't generate a lot of power. But what I could do was sort of hit it. I've always hit the ball really optimally. So yeah. no spin, lots of height and flight. So when I went to Lynx Golf, playing in the wind, my ball doesn't move. Yeah, if it does move, it moves a lot less than someone who spins it a lot. Um, so I came over to the Irish Amateur twice. The first the first place I got my world ranking for amateur golf was the Irish Amateur. So oh. I did it at... Um, Oh gosh, I did it at the Island Club last year. I think I finished eleventh in a. The room. Island, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so that was that was because the British Amateur was the next week, well, I think. So okay, 
Um, the field was really strong, so I did really well there. I got my amateur status. Then the year before was COVID, and I finished in at uh, the European Club. So quite a tough oh, crowd. Wow. I I had a plus. It was forty one hour winds and raining in the third round, and I think I shot plus one low round of the day. Um, nice. Again, I'm just a good. I'm a gutsy player. I'm good at win. So, so, I've, so played, I, I've played. Yeah. Sorry, go on. I was just wondering, like. You're you're obviously a fan of Lynx Golf then. Um Yeah. But... I mean it's who doesn't like it, the ball goes a lot further. Exactly. <laughs> so if I was to ask you on a blue sunny day if you could play your favourite parkland or your favourite Lynx course, mm. what would it be? Uh your job as our Guinness correspondent rests <laughs> on this answer. Yeah, well I was gonna say it depends what Guinness they serve. <laughs> so um no, I, I, I like all golf. He's got I all the answers. Probably, I would probably go for links. Um, you know, yeah. there's some class ones, but I mean Parkland have some nice courses. But the why, reason why I like links, I think it, you there's a lot more options, right? You have mm. you know, you can stand in the middle of the fair, it's like seven shots you can hit which i find fun you know i cool. sometimes when i'm playing an event i don't know if it's good or not but i just sometimes actually not get a bit bored but i might just try a shot just because it's fun it's yeah. like I golf for fun it's yeah. yeah i play i compete a lot better when i'm having fun so i i like links golf it's yeah it's cool Park, yeah parkland golf can can just become also greens the, and fairways kind of target golf. yeah exactly the uh the european club is a beast especially when it's windy rainy like if you can put a score together around there, it's uh, it's special. Absolutely. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I played really. I think I this sounds in the plus one. I actually missed. I think two parts from five feet as well. <laughs> so I played. I played insane. It was good sure. fun. It was Class. great fun. Yeah. Um. So, uh, brilliant answers uh, there, Kip. Happy with that. Um. <laughs> so tell us. <laughs> <laughs> tell us about your schedule so far, Kip. This year, um, where have you been and what's coming up? Yeah, so um, start of the 2023 season for the disability golf, well, for pretty much all golf, was um, the Australian Open in Melbourne, um, around the Victoria Golf Club. Um, played again, that's Linksy, loved it, very windy, played really well. Uh, I think Adrian Moronk, we were off tee, I think let's I think the course wasn't very long. It was about 7,000 yards. And we were playing, as the dispersed players, to play about 6,800, 6,007. So it was nice to be tees near their distance. Um, okay. yeah. In the final yeah. the final round, I, I shot minus three. And Adrian Moronk, who won, shot minus four. So that was quite nice to know that. Class. I, you know, I, I must have maybe hit like six three-woods or hybrids off the tee. So, and I'm a straight driver of the ball. So all I would have done was come up on a few holes. So... It was good. I was really pleased. Um, so then had that one. Uh, then I went to New Zealand for Christmas. Um, I've got family over there, so that was nice. And then the oh, first, nice. first big event was back was the Australian Amateur. Um, okay. Well, the Masters of the Amateur, actually, in, in Australia, uh, somewhere called, oh, God, I don't know, in, in Melbourne. And I played yeah, well. Yeah. Again. I, sh- I was thir- finished 30th. I um, had like an over par last round, a couple over, but then went to the Australian Am and I think I was tied seventh going into the last round and got a top 20 um, on minus seven. Again, links golf, windy. I think the, the first the first round, I, I was the only person to be in the top, inside the top 20 of, of my draw. Um, yeah. oh, well. the first round we played on New South Wales, which was the tougher course. And I played in the afternoon. In the morning, it was no wind, perfect conditions. So all the night big guys are actually on the easier course 
and in no win. So the lead was when I finished was maybe, or when I started was minus five or minus six. Okay. And I played, shot four over front nine, played pretty well. And then somehow I had two under back nine to shoot, or maybe, no, it's three over front nine and two under back nine. Nice. One over. And then I then had three under and five under the next two days. So, um, yeah, it was good. And, and, the, well. and those events are, so the, the obviously the, the Australian one was a disability event split. And then the other ones yeah. are full amateur. Able-bodied, yeah. Okay. So, mm. you know, my aim is to, I'm now on the world rankings for amateur golf. And, you know, the way I see it with the amateur rules changing where you can get corporate sponsorship, it's allowed me to, I never thought I'd do amateur golf. I always thought I'd yeah. just pro um, and try and make it. But for me, the reality of it is, is mini pro tour golf, you're playing courses that aren't championship standard often. Um, yeah. And my dream is to win and play in the Open and Masters and all these tough courses. So I want the experience of playing, you know, getting around tough golf courses. Yeah. Um, yeah. And because, you know, there's obviously in, in professional golf, you've got to make a lot of birdies. But um, and I just feel like, for me, I've grown up on a parkland. If you put me on a – my wedge plays quite strong, So if you and mm. I drive it straight. So if you put me on a fairly 7,000-yard course – no win i'm gonna shoot quite well so yeah, yeah i yeah, felt yeah. that the gaps in my game for what i want to achieve i need the experience of playing tough golf courses and that's that's what amateur golf at the highest level's done but then also the g4d tour you know i'm playing valderrama yeah. and um you know wentworth and stuff like into tournament pins and i'm playing yeah. well so I'm, i must say the learning curve has been sped up massively you know me okay. and my caddy uh we use a yard yardage book and plan our shots probably better than most people in the in the top professional game it's just because i want to win i'll just do any you know anything i can do to shoot one shot better yeah so like talking about like learning curves and stuff i I heard i heard you mentioned adrian moronk i'd imagine he hits the ball fairly far but i was just wondering do you have any stories of playing with um like various professional golfers and um, maybe just specifically, uh, we are huge Aaron Roy fans on this on this podcast. So I'm oh, just yeah. wondering because he's a fellow Englishman. And have you ever have you ever tried double gloving it or iron covers or anything like that? No, no, never never tried double gloving it. Um, I I just go the the normal one glove. I think it's <laughs> I used to have to buy golf gloves, so I take a lot of money just using. I mean, it would have a hole in the thumb. I would double. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. So you, have you ever played with Aaron? Uh, no, never played with Aaron. I played with Sam Horsfield, uh, oh, nice. Tom Watson, like, all of those guys in that picture behind me. <laughs> um, well, we, might, we might as well get into that. Um, so obviously, twenty twenty two was a huge year mm-hmm. for you. Um, plenty of highlights. You were the, obviously the world's number one disability golfer. Um, you played in the British Am, which we might get into. But you also played at the Open in St Andrews with Tom Watson and Stuart Sink. Let's get into it. How was it? It was amazing. So jiggering on the sixth. I think it was the <laughs> Are you talking about the golf? Yeah, I am. This is the golf. <laughs> You're it's talking about the jigger in and the pints. Yeah, no, no. This isn't about any. I wasn't drinking any pints. This is the. Uh, yeah. This is Stuart Sink. We're on the 17th hole, and I didn't even. Re- I forgot. I was so focused on what I was doing, but obviously, every golf fan's dream is to see Stuart Sink's head up, like cap <laughs> off in person. Yeah. So I didn't even think about it, and then. We're going past the jigger in. I've had I had 200 yards into the 17th, wind into and off the right, and hit this hybrid. Wait, that's the road hole, isn't it? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. 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 So hit this hybrid to 15 feet. So I was I was very pleased. 
Um, so, yeah. sorry, on that 17th tee, like, talk to me about the tee shot. Are you literally looking over the corner? You're yeah. trying to hit it over that? Yeah, it's, it wasn't It wasn't the best. First time I played it, people were like, just aim at the H. And I think it's got like four H's in it. So <laughs> anyway, I was like, I've got no clue which H to go. Um, it's more right than you think, basically. Okay. Um, and yeah, I mean, you're hitting over the the building, I guess. But yeah. Yeah. It, you're fine, so. I think I was okay. in the I think I was in the jigger in when that this was going on. Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> so Stuart Sink literally was walking down there, and people were in the jigger in, and they were shouting. They were like, "Take your cap off! Take your cap off!" And I'm there, like, "Oh my god, please do it!" He does it, and they were going, like and then they, you know, we get on the seventeenth green, they do it again. And he does it. I I thought he was a class act. He's and he's an extremely good ball striker. He he had right. the daytime. His son Caddy Stream, who's a really good caddy. Um, my poor dad, I didn't trust him to get yardages. They wouldn't let us use a rangefinder. Okay. So I Stuart Sink's son gave me all my yardages. Because also, I was just like, it's going to take me and my dad ages. Yeah. So, yeah, um, That's yeah so Stuart Sink's son was caddying for him. And I mean, they set up on the 17th hole. Wind, as I say, was into and off the right. He must have hit, I think Stuart Sink hit like a six iron or something. Yeah. And um, he just basically, his son said, started the left edge of this tower draw it onto the crane and honestly this thing just was perfect i was just like yeah, <laughs> yeah it was a really nice shot i did hit it nice. inside and <laughs> um is is tom watson just like the nicest old man you've ever met in your life because he comes yeah um, he, he's just nice in general he was it was you know he was really nice it was it was great i mean he was lovely i i was so the way i play golf for the listeners listening i think too many people have swing thoughts right i i see golf as a sport where you know, you just aim and shoot. Like if you're playing football or oh, throwing a cricket, here we go. You just, you just, you know, aim and throw the ball, right? And if you, to be honest, I don't know if you can swear on this podcast, but if you mess it up, you mess it up. So, it. you know, in the reality of it is, is you're going to hit shit golf shots in a round of golf. So, you know, yeah. when I hit one to the right or one to the left, I'm not there going, oh my, you know, my swings there or I'm just like it's one of the shit ones. Yeah, and you know, I'm going to hit good ones. So. Basically, when I was coming over the bridge, I put on my story, um, Showtime or whatever it was, because I've, you know, I've, I've always dreamed of playing in front of crowds and just, you know, it's what I've always wanted to do. So I just sent, sent like, put on my Instagram story, Showtime. As I walk, the fact I had to walk over a bridge with people un, because the crowd was too big, that I had to go over a bridge to walk over the crowd. I just thought it was hilarious. <laughs> I was also running late for the tea time. My, Agent wasn't best pleased with that. Oh, I heard <laughs> that. Lee Trevino, and he yeah. was he was chatting to me for ages. And I'm sorry, I'm not going to tell Lee Trevino to talk to all. <laughs> but, so, um, anyway, so I was walking over the bridge and was like, um, anyway, got to when I play golf, I take a picture of where I want the ball to finish. So yeah, okay. For example, left edge of the crane or whatever. And so there was a great. I was, there's a bush in the first hole of St Andrews. You know that was fairly in the middle of the fairway, and I was like, right, I want something a bit more specific than that. And yeah. I saw this grey crane. So as I took a picture of Showtime, I just, if you're in, you know, if you ever try to remember the number twenty-four, you just keep repeating it, right? You're twenty-four, twenty-four, twenty-four. So in my head, going across that bridge and down the stairs and stuff, I was just playing this grey crane in my image, just keep flushing cool. it in. Iona Stevens, I think that's her name. Yeah. I know her name. Iona, yeah, like yeah, Stevens, yeah. I don't know, but. She came and did an interview with me. Um, I don't remember what I said in that interview because I was just thinking yeah. of this grey crane. It sounds really boring, but I was oh, no, so, no, no, yeah. so zoned in on this grey crane. It's what I've always done when I play golf. It's you know that 
the part where I'm fist pumping there, I was, I mean, actually I was thinking of my cousin and that, but it was, you know, it's yeah. just aim and hit it. And basically when, when I swing, I just fall that image in there um, because I feel like it's got the best chance of going there. If I tell, you know, if I just keep it simple. Okay. So anyway, I went, went to the tee box, met, met Stuart Sink, uh, Paul Laurie and Tom Watson. And I don't remember it. I genuinely, it was so like, normal i was like hi yeah. guys how you doing how you doing sorry i'm running mate and and then i didn't realize the carrot jug was on the tee box until i saw pictures of it pictures <laughs> of me and them on the tee box and i knew we stood around this thing but i forgot it was i didn't even realize <laughs> and then i absolutely munched my uh three wheel off the tee and off oh, the first yeah, tee, that, unreal yeah it was it was great fun but that you know st andrews was amazing um you know, as I mentioned, had a lesson with Tom Watson for 45 minutes. Um, hope he doesn't send me an invoice because I don't have that sort of money. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, it was, yeah, the, the nuggets of info. So, like, Tom Watson was, if you're in the, if you're in, I was in the rough at one hole and he was just, I hit this a bit left. So I was trying to hold it up against this wind, left to right wind. And he, he told me, he was like, what were you trying to do there? I explained, he went, in the rough, never, you know, never try to do too much with it. And also always tight hold on with your left knuckles really tight. So obviously that holds the face. Oh, okay. um, so just grip really tight with your left hand, basically. Um, and then, you know, Lee Trevino was talking through flights. He said his son was as talented as him, but his son didn't make it. Um, and he was telling me that, you know, I hit, when his son used to practice, he'd hit hundred, like a thousand nine irons in a day. But yeah. Lee Trevino would hit a thousand shots with his nine iron. And, he, and okay. that's how I I mentioned, okay. I mentioned that I couldn't turn very well when I was a kid, so I was always, you know, always trying to hit every single shot one after another with a seven. You know, there's a drill my coach gave me where it's a great drill for anyone work, wanting to work on their timing or tempo, which is let's say you hit your six iron one sixty, for example. If you if you can make a full swing with your six iron, it carries one sixty. Try doing it where you make a full swing with your six iron but carry it one hundred. So you're not okay. allowed to make a shorter swing or, you know basically do it by shortening the swing or opening the face you're just working your, on your timing yeah yeah your, your body speed and that yeah and then yeah. you know basically so if i'm ever into winds too many people put the ball back in the stance when they're playing into winds take mm. let's say you're into wind you've got this 160 mm. shot and you've got uh you know winds playing 170 and you, so instead of hitting your what would it be five iron if you're hitting it if you're hitting your six iron on 60 take your four iron grip halfway down it so then the shaft stiffens so basically, yeah. it's going to knock the flight down already. So that bit's done for you. And then if you've done this drill, you can control your body speed. And so I just make a full swing, but like slower. And it just, it, the beautiful thing, it's really fun to hit because it comes out sort of mid-flight and doesn't yeah. fall. So it means when yeah. it hits the green, it's not like running like a rocket. And then it's never like fluttering in the air. Um, Kip, I, I we think, need you. We yeah. need you on the we range. Need I we think, need a session. I think, yeah. I think we could be best friends, Kip. So um, Are like you going to pay all the Guinness tabs? Yeah. Well, that's on quack. Um, yeah. This has turned into sort of a, like you've hit a few points there that I want to get into because um, I may as well just turn this into a personal mental training session for myself. <laughs> I, I have a, Kip, I, I, I have my uh, kind of biggest day in my golfing career tomorrow. I'm playing my first ever junior cup match. Um, which is basically all golfers. Uh, the lowest is two point five. We'll say. Right. So, um, yeah, I'm a little nervous about it. But before we get into that, um, I 
like yourself, I'm a huge advocate of the mental game, even for you know golfers of all levels, um, all handicaps. And I, you know, I've read a few books, um, kind of the the standard Bob Rotella's and the yeah. John John Sherman practical golf. Um, I like him as well. But I'm a big fan of the mental game. It's the 15th club in the bag. You might as well be your friend out there, um, and not your own enemy. Um, yeah, that's that's so, the biggest thing. Yeah. So I just like it. Obviously, sounds like you have, but is like, do you ever do any mental work with any mental coaches or like the the one thing that I love that you said was like when you're playing golf, it's just pick a target and try and hit to it. Like, if you've more than one swing thought, you are dead. Yeah. I mean. Basically, you know, you talk about mental coaches and, you know, they definitely have their place in the game. But the reality of it is, is all my all my mentality to golf is basically to do whatever I can to shoot the lowest score. And so it's all self-taught in the sense of I've always just been very um, aware of what I'm thinking about. So, for okay. example, you know, I was 14. I would get angry when I hit one OB or hit. And I realized, well, I'm not going to. When I got angry, the rest of the round was tougher to play. So yeah. now I just don't get angry. What's the point? If if yeah. my aim in golf is to shoot the lowest score possible, you know, that is more important than my ego of hitting it left over it, right? It's, yeah. you know, as long as I don't care if I shoot 77 or 62, as I've never shot 62, that would be done. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. I think maybe it's coming up. Maybe it's coming. It's coming. Good omens. I'll have a Guinness <laughs> if I shoot 62. Yeah. But, um, basically, it's, it's sort of a, if, if as long as I do everything I can to shoot the best score I can that day, I'm happy. Yeah. You know, because you're going to play crap golf. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Real golf. So as long as you're you... going to, you're going to have a good round or a bad round, you might as well enjoy yeah. it. And, and I think the other thing as well is I think too many people associate, you know, a bad round or basically they think for them to shoot a good round of golf, they've got to hit lots of good shots. That's not true. No, yeah. You know, if you're, in your 63 or 64, you're going to hit shots you don't like. You're going to hit a chip that maybe goes to seven feet instead of four. It's, so it's more, as I say, if you could, for me, if I can stay even keel and just basically focus on each shot and just hit it. And I think the other thing is these books that you mentioned. I mean, I've, I've read a couple and I think they're brilliant, but the reality of it is, is they're all saying the same thing eventually. Yeah. You know, and I think it's, it's as long just... as you read it and take a few take a few like nuggets of it and make sure it's your own you know test them out try it and you know i mentioned target golf and just zoning in on target well i played cricket to a you know i was a good cricket bowler mm. when i played cricket i just threw it down the wicket you know when i play if you ever in a playground having a shootout with your mates yeah you, you don't start going right if i swing my leg into out yeah 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 I just be an athlete. Be an athlete. Exactly. I don't get why people do it in golf. It's like yeah, golf, yeah, yeah. golf is a simple game made complex. Yeah. Yes. If you you know, if you if you're in if you're playing darts and you're missing the ball right, you're gonna aim left, aren't you? Yeah. Yes. So I don't know why people miss the ball right and they're like, oh, I'm hitting a push. So I was with I was with the coach of my home club yesterday, head coach. I've just last two days I've had a nice relaxed day, you know, as I mentioned, trying to keep my energy levels good because I've got four weeks in a row coming up. Okay. Um and I've done all the hard work. Now I just get to enjoy it, right? So um, we played. Uh, he texted me and I was like, yeah, we'll go up some holes. And he was mentioning that he's, you know, his back sore, so he's struggling to turn. And he's a really good player, you know, really mm. you know, scores really well and he's been struggling. And I just said to him, I said, why don't you just open your stance a bit? You know, he says, I struggle to turn through it. I said, if, let's say, a Dustin Johnson can turn 
you know, he's at impact. His his body and his hips are open, right? But if mm. you're inhibited, if you don't have the ability to start square and open up in time, yeah, when I was a kid and couldn't rotate. I just played with my feet open the whole time because. Mm, okay. In the backswing, you can just turn by lifting your left foot up. But the most important thing is impacting golf. So if you set a good impact position, you're going to be a lot better. Um, so, like Kip, it sounds like you're very. It sounds like you're very technically adept with the golf swing and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it sounds like so. you. It sounds like you could be a coach in the future, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, um, everyone just... always says that to me. But I just, <laughs> it's so simple. I don't know why people. Just I know, but that's simple. that's the best part about it. But yeah, I think if you wondering... the coach, you'd be paying me a hundred quid to tell you to aim left, and you'd be like, "Thank you." <laughs> that was the easiest lesson I've ever given. <laughs> I'm just wondering, um, like, so I had a conversation with my old man before I came on here and um, like, so I actually rang him to ask him for preparation for the interview, but he actually just started talking about his own golf game. <laughs> um, so he's actually struggling with the shanks at the moment. Um, and uh, he went into it, but I only had about 15 minutes to prepare and he took five minutes of that talking about uh, how he's struggling with the shanks. And he said that he... He has listened to David Ledbetter and Butch Harmon talk about the shanks and everyone says different things. Is there any advice you could give to my dad <laughs> for um, struggling with the shanks? And also just have you ever shanked the ball in a pro tournament? Uh, have I ever Off shanked the ball? a tee, would I Probably have. Well, I've definitely hit the shank. I know I've yeah, yeah, yeah. been in a big tournament. Um, the right to it is, is the way I think of it. I think too many people sort of, Think a shank's a bad shot. You're literally like an inch away from hitting yeah. out of the middle. No, no, you're not, Kev. You're, you're not. You're not far. Like you genuinely, in my head, I'm like people always say, "Oh, golf's such a tough game because it's such small margins." Well, I flip it on its head. I'm like, "Well, doesn't that make it? Then you only yeah. have to make a small change to hit it a lot better." Yeah. You know, you don't have to do anything drastic. If I mean the simplest thing I'd say is if you're struggling with the shanks. Uh, to be honest, I don't know why he is or if I, what his swing is like, but I, the drill I use all the time is just getting some foot spray. So athletes foot okay. spray, see where he's heard of it, spray it on the face, and then just see where he's Yeah, yeah. Your dad, your dad should basically only ever practice with foot spray because if you're hitting out the middle, you can't hit a shank, right? Shani, okay, so Shani, we did not start a podcast so you could ask the world's best, one of the world's best <laughs> golfers, how to fix your dad's golf swing. Can you ask him serious questions, please? <laughs> Apologies, Ben. Apologies, you got lost there. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so, Kip, like, um, the other thing I was wondering was, um, like, from a young age and stuff, you were obviously working really hard to get your handicap down the whole time and all that. Um mm-hmm. And sorry, Ben, I've just realized that the question I've looked at is also to do with my golf game. Um, but <laughs> you, I was just wondering, um, we'll get back into the serious questions at the end, don't worry. But yeah. I was just wondering, do you remember the round or the day where you actually got your handicap to scratch? And I'm just wondering, like, does anything happen when you get to scratch? Like, I picture it like the skies open up and... <laughs> This like they hand you down like a big golden putter, uh, like <laughs> something out of King Arthur, where he's pulling a big golden putter out of a stone. I'd say um, if, you, does, if you think does that's that happen, happen or... really, I'd say if you think that's gonna happen, you really have to work on your mental game. <laughs> oh yeah, sorry, yeah. the mental game. Yeah. That's not. <laughs> no. um, for me, the <laughs> the day I got to, day I got to plus one was a uh, thirteenth hole at Wilderness. It's uh, you know index eighteen or whatever. Hit okay. the top to seven feet. Hold Oh, this nice left to right part, and the guy goes, Oh, nice two for three points, or whatever. I'm like, This is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never playing this game for golf again. 
Yeah. I don't remember getting down to scratch, but I remember that. And okay, for me, it was what I've always loved. Right, is that people at my home club have always been so supportive, but. The, the amount of people that would tell me, you know, I'd tell them I want to be a professional golfer, I want to do this, or want to be, you know, when I was off 12, saying I want to be off scratch in a year or whatever, and the amount that would just say, oh, you know, five would be good, or because the team... Yeah, would, I know, I know, and, I know. And the reality of it is, is, you know, I'm now off plus four, I think I got nearly plus five, it's like, the way I see it is, too many people see scratch or set a, set a yes. like, limit, you know, so yeah. they're like, if I can get to nine handicap by whenever or if i can be a single figure golfer i'll be happy on mm. the golf. you're never happy you're still gonna be upset when you hit a shoot. you're never happy no so me me and shani were just shani's uh i play off about three shani's just got down to about 2.8 or something and we were saying like shani's been setting himself the target to get to below three as soon as he got to below three he was like okay i'm, I'm no i'm not happy like you, you'll never be happy in golf because you can always go no. get better so, yeah. so the way i always see it right is it's not it's not about trying to get to a certain handicap. It's just about trying to get a bit better. Yeah. Like every, every day. And yeah. Your hand, reality of it is, is, you know, I've been beat by a two handicapper, you know, the other day. Mm. Handicap mm. doesn't mean anything. No, it's, it doesn't. Yeah. It literally means. And so something. I think yeah. for any, um, I can't really remember. Oh, the scratch question is sort of, <laughs> the reality of it is, is when you get to scratch, the other thing is always people sort of go and they say, oh, my handicap's trending upwards. I'm sort of like, of course, it's going to be trending upwards if you keep thinking that. Yeah. You know, yeah. You're allowed to go through like peaks and hollows of golf. You're allowed to, you know, yeah. have yeah. bad golf and good golf. But I think too many people get so caught up in their scores. And I, I'm just sort of like, if you've done, let's say your dad, right, is working on the shank and he gets this lesson, too many people <laughs> expect to not be able to, to be able to undo hitting a shank within a few lessons. It's like, do, do the work he's set you. I've always been big on the process, not the outcome. Yeah, do do the work you set you, and do it, and not trying to almost not trying to achieve it in the sense of not trying to go for a goal. Just do mm. the work, and yeah. the work will take care of itself. Like I mentioned, yeah. I've done all this hard work the last six seven weeks or whatever, and now tournament golf's the easy bit. I the only thing I think about is I just you know I'm just like trust yourself because all the yeah. practice has been done. So I don't get why people do training drills let's say you're working on your wrist angle and then they go into a tournament and they're still trying to do the training drill. I'm like, surely the reason no, you've won the training no. drill is so that you can not have a habit. Yeah. Golf. Yeah. My favorite quote is play golf, not golf swing. Um, yeah. Jeez, yeah, so. yeah. sort of... Kip, oh, you have me pumped for tomorrow now. Come on. <laughs> um, Kip, I'm starting to understand how you had tw 11 points of Guinness because um, <laughs> you certainly can... Uh, inspire a, a, an inspired conversation <laughs> um so thank you very much for that uh, so like kip i've heard you i i don't want to put, put in words in your mouth here but uh, like i'll paraphrase but i've heard you speak before about how you don't want to be defined by your disability um mm -hmm. so like i would be interested to know like in terms of like daily routine kind of stuff like what kind of struggles do you have to deal with that say i don't have to deal with um so obviously like my legs are tight. So walking from the bed to the shower is tight. But I think, you know, it's not that I don't want to be defined by my disability, but I've just never seen it as a reason to not be able to do anything. Okay. And there's there's multiple different ways to, you know, do everything. So you can always just find one, you know, it doesn't mean you're gonna be as good as John Rahm or whatever. Yeah. Or drive a car like Lewis Hamilton, but you can't there's ways around it. And 
for example, so for me, my muscles are tight, uh, calf muscles are tight, hip flexors okay. are tight, everything's tight. And, yeah. you know, my feet get a bit sore. But, I mean, I used to... Uh, I don't know if I've, I've tried hip flexors as well, Kev. Yeah, so I, don't, I don't know if you saw in the documentary that they put out, there was a bit where my dad, I think you'll, you guys will enjoy this, so I'll tell you. Okay. It's a bit where my dad, it's nothing to do with my legs either, but it's just fun. Yeah. There was a bit where my dad said that I, he forgot me once at a golf course, if you remember that. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, there's a new... Francie Healy start. picture of... Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> no, it. And there's a new, yeah, there's a new... There's a new pro that started at the golf course at my home club just now, yes, like a few weeks ago. Nice kid. And uh, he goes, oh, I watched your documentary yesterday. And did your dad really leave you here? I was yeah. Like, it was in the nets just there. Basically, my dad would drop me off at 6 a.m. and pick me up at 8 p.m. Like whenever it got dark. Yeah, yeah. My dad would leave. My dad is extremely hardworking, um, loves his job. He's a doctor in London and just loves it. You know, he just yeah. absolutely loves what he does. Um, and... So that's, I guess, where I get my love for what I do from, right? Is I'm yeah. just, I got to see how much he enjoyment he got from being one of the world's best surgeons. And I was sort of yeah. like, he doesn't do it for any other reason than the fact he just loves to do yeah. it. Um, and so on that note, he would drop, you know, the hours would be long, but he'd just pick me up when he got home and it was we did that every yeah. day. And this one night, because he worked so hard and he was probably distracted, he got home at like 9.30, which isn't, isn't unnormal um, or out of the ordinary. And my mum and dad eat dinner quite late, so they were having dinner. And mum goes, um, did Kip just walk through the kitchen and not say hello? Because I am I, you know, I love my mum, and I would always just be like, hey, mum, how you doing? And uh, he was like, shh. <laughs> and it was that night, it was, what he didn't say in the documentary was that night, it was thunderstorms and lightning. I kid you not, like thundering lightning. And I was honestly <laughs> having the time of my life. I, I practiced yeah. in that net till I couldn't see anything about nine. Yeah. Had my waterproofs on, went under an umbrella and was honestly curled up on the AstroTurf completely asleep when he got there about 11 p.m. No. Okay. The reason, I was about 15 and genuinely the reason why was I was thinking, I, I've always wanted to get to the golf club at the moment the sun comes up and my parents have never let me. I've always wanted to play like a really early morning round. So I was like, yeah. this would be amazing. I wake up in the morning. 4 a.m. I'll be able to play 18 holes before the greenkeepers get here, so they won't tell me off. And then, as a punishment to my dad, I can go in his like his cards on the club thing, so that I can go in and get fat English breakfast, and then I can go out <laughs> and play another 27 holes at 8 a.m. or whatever it was. And honestly, he he comes up, you know, he, he didn't know where I was. My phone was off. I was asleep. I was so set on what I was about to do the next day. I was so excited, fully asleep. And he comes, you know. And he's, I just hear, Kip, Kip. And I was not waking up. And then I just hear him over me. He thinks I've been hit by lightning. It was just, oh, you know, I was just laid on the floor. So he wasn't ready. And I was fuming. I was like, you have, why? <laughs> I was like, so, I was so excited to be able to do a whole day. Um, and obviously, mum wasn't best pleased with him. But... I, uh, I always tell everyone about my friend Patrick. I'm like, he, you'll never meet someone who loves golf more than him. And I think I've officially found uh, someone who loves golf more than Patrick. Yeah, I think we found it. I don't really love golf. I just love getting better. Like, I love yeah, winning. Yeah, yeah I, I like that. Yeah. Yeah, I, like that like it's, um, I feel like if I didn't do golf, I'd do something else. But um, anyway, so back to what I struggle with is basically my muscles are tight. I um, okay. Cerebral palsy means that uh, it's called the type I've got it's called spastic diplegia. So it means the muscles in my legs are tight and contracted. So if your viewers were to do a calf raise, that's how my legs are the whole time, right? So that's oh, why right. I walk on my tiptoes, and that's why I had the bunions because I'm constantly walking on my tiptoes, so it just puts pressure through the foot. Yeah. Um, and 
relative to your question of what do I struggle with that others don't is, you know, yeah, my legs are tight and yeah, I maybe have to spend more time stretching. But weirdly, I always saw that as a positive. You know, yeah. prioritize looking yeah. after my body. Yeah. Um, and so what I realized when I was younger is a lot of kids get away with not looking after their body. And then when they get turned pro and they're traveling and doing all this, you know, hours of, you know, flying to Singapore, et cetera, they get on tour and they struggle with, you know, how much work they have to put in. I've always had to put in work. I've always had to work hard. So I saw it as, well, all I'm doing is learning it. So it's complete habit when I need it. And, mm. and I, I've always, I've never seen my disability, you know, I think I said it in the documentary, but, as I say, members of my home club would see my disability as a, oh, that, you know, because of my disability, he can't get to five handicap or he can't yeah. scratch or he can't win the club champs, which I've won twice now. It's the way I, where I always saw it was because of my disability, what a cool story that would be when I yeah. win the Open. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I think everyone's got their crosses to bear, right? You know, uh, my little sister, Mitzi, she's um, a dancer, wants to be in the West End and she's got a knee injury at the moment. So, you know, she's going through a tough time where she yeah. can't practice and do every, all the training she wants to do. But your yeah. attitude is, I've tried to explain to her, it's like, you're never going to not have a life where you don't have any challenges. Exactly. Yeah. If you do have a challenge, it's sort of, you just got to roll the punches and try and make the most yeah. of it. Mm. Um, and, you know, there's, po- there's always sort of positives in the sense of, you know, because she can't, she's damaged her knee, right? But it's not she's been to the doctor and it's not horrendous and she can do physio hopefully to get it better, but she's now learning how to look after her knee and, mm. and learning these traits that if you're going to be an athlete or going to be working in business, you're going to have times where your business or whatever isn't going well. So you need to know what to do to help, you know, to weather the storm basically. Yeah. Yeah. Love no, it. that's um, KP in preparation with the, or not in preparation. I actually listened to the podcast when it first came out with the Australian crowd. Uh, I think you're on with tee it up. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you you talked about uh, um, a surgery. You got you obviously had a lot of surgeries in your life, and you talked about you got one when you were eighteen and you were playing off plus two. And I was mm-hmm. interested, like, did getting that surgery allow you become a better golfer? Like, did it uh, from a physical point of view? Did it really improve your golf game? Did it make a difference? Yeah, it's made such a difference. Like, I I don't get nearly as much pain in my feet as I used to, but. And it's made it, what I would say is it's probably not made me a better golfer. It's just made it easier. But in my head, I remember going to those operations and I knew that, you know, if they could correct my deformities, I can push yeah. my feet better. I can rotate better. And yeah. I thought, I'm going to try it because obviously if I can, I'll hit it further. But the reality of it is, is that I knew in my head, I was like, if it doesn't work, it's not going to be the reason I don't make it. I just have mm. to be a better partner and chipper. Yes, okay. man. Yeah. You know, may I not have a, career like Dustin Johnson where my distance would mean that I can stay at the top of my game when everything's yeah. not on. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. There's no re- Luke Donald got to world number one hitting it what 260, 270? Yeah. yeah. Um, Just potting. Yeah. And and so it's not I think too many people always find the reason why they can't do something. And you know, like stats in golf, I'm a big stats guy, you know, Matt Fitzpatrick, you know, yeah. as I said, anything anything I can do to shave off shots, I love it. But when I play golf, I'm very not technical, but in my head, I'm like, you wouldn't run a business without knowing where you're losing or earning money, right? Where your biggest sellers are, where whatever. Yeah. So me and Ben now, we measure every shot. I know Ben, poor Ben, Ben Armstrong, my caddy, works his ass off. I'm, you know, he's my good mate from uni, but I have him out there. Poor mm. chap, the first event. I was like, do you want to come caddy? We didn't, you know, it was good fun, played well. Yeah. And now I've got him measuring every shot. So, you know, if I'm in the rough, 
he's writing down, you know, how fit, you know, sort of how how the ball was lying, how did it fly, and sort of I'll tell him if I towed it or you know, in tournaments, okay. I mean, big tournaments, and I tow and hit shots out the heel all the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So like yeah. Matt Matt Fitz style recording your stats and like writing yeah, down every it. single shot. Yeah. I, yeah, call yeah, it, yeah. I call it a shot lock, right? And the reason why it's so important is. I won last year a handful of events or had good finishes where I needed to hit some clutch shots coming down. Maybe the day before, I think one of them I had, I remember one, I think it was the Porsche European Open in a playoff. I had like 115 yards into this flag and the wind was exactly the same in this playoff. And the day before, on the 15th hole, we had the same wind and I stiffed the shot and I, I knew what sort of shot I hit to get. Mm. Basically, Ben just went, well, just hit. I just sort of said, isn't it like the 15th? He went back in the book, found mm. the 15th hole where we, and he went, yeah, just hit it, you know, one just yard. Just the same shot, yeah. And it's, it fills you with confidence. And it's, but the other thing as well is it's too many amateurs and people will love this. You know, ask an amateur how far they hit a seven iron. It's 150 yards every single time. Yeah. Like, you know, if you hit it 150 yards on links golf it's or parkland it's you know if you're standing yeah. on the same you're going to get different results so for me a shot log is important and you don't have to do it as diligently as myself but for an amateur why wouldn't you go too many people are like, i don't know how far i hit it and they want to jump on a launch monitor and hit it hit it on a perfect mat or perfect astro into a net and stuff like that where they're swinging you know their swings warmed up you need to know how far you're hitting it when you're playing a tournament you know, because yeah, yeah. it might be slightly different. So, for example, go out with your friend, you know, play thing, and just basically, if the flag's one fifty, roughly work out roughly where it carried. Yeah, and then you've got a, a a truth of how far yeah. you hit it. And yeah, yeah, yeah. The reality yeah, yeah. as well is that for me, it, it takes all the emotion out of what me and Ben decide to do. It's there yeah. in black and white. So yeah. when, you just got to do it. As I said, it just suits my to attitude on the golf course. I don't have to think about it. You know, yeah. It's... That um. um yeah, sorry, go ahead, Ben. No, I just, I'm following on, like, we're, obviously, uh, Patrick was asking you, like, what kind of things you do differently compared to, say, an able-bodied person. Like, uh, mm. I obviously saw you playing in the Faldo series and you you play a lot of amateur golf. Like, mm. if you're playing in a four-day event, like, just to give people context about the disability that you do have, do you do you find it a lot harder to walk, say, four, four rounds of golf in a row? Or, like, a lot of the amateur stuff, you might play 36 in a day. Do you find yeah. at the end of the day that really that really affects you? Yeah, yeah. so I now have a exemption from the RNA that means I can use a buggy in any tournament. Oh, amazing! Um, and so that reason for that is I can walk eighteen holes, but I the way I describe it is I would I can't practice after, I can't do much mm. practice before. I'm, you know, and this is why why am I so good mentally? Maybe it's because I had my disability growing up. You know, walking a golf course when I was younger. My golf club until this, I don't know, you know, isn't a dig at them, but they didn't let me use a buggy for free until, you know, only recently. Yeah. And I would have to walk because I didn't, my dad didn't want to spend, you know, it's 20 quid. Yeah, it's a lot of money. I'm yeah, every yeah, single yeah. day. It's a lot. But I would, when my foot got sore, I used to, I remember focusing on a bit of grass, a hundred, like a blade of grass, a hundred yards ahead and walking to it and then picking the next. Oh. And so, that's the way I do it on the golf course, right? Is you just have the shot, you hit it, and then go to the next one. And I think it just, as long as, uh, the way I'd say it is that if I had to walk a 72 hole event, I could walk it, but I would be extremely. Yeah, unfair. fair. Yeah, okay. I, and it, would it affect my performance? Probably. Mm. But it, I don't think I still couldn't win the event. I feel and, like I still could play well. It's just yeah. 
Yeah. For me, it, it definitely energy levels. For example, the way I walk isn't very efficient. You know, it's like a Ford Fiesta with lots of rusting parts. It's, <laughs> you know, it's it's not going to drive very well. So I have aches and my aches get worse and stuff and pains, but more so my energy. I I burn a lot. More. I think it's I think when I've been tested, I probably burn between when they did it when I was younger. It was something like twenty. I think like something between forty and about twenty five percent more energy than someone okay. else doing it. Okay. And so if you just think you're adding that onto the pains I get, it's, yeah, it's yeah. So and, and getting the buggy exemption has been massive. Yeah. Sorry, Kip, just um on the, the buggy exemption then, is there is there any way have you thought about maybe kind of like pimping out your buggy? Like can you get like a, a segue? Nice. Like, like, what have you thought about? What? Because I saw a guy on the golf course in our home course in Port Moranic Links recently. He was yeah. on a, I think he still had a trolley, but he was on a Segway, like a side saddle Segway, running along with his trolley. It looked very dangerous. Yeah. But um, so have you any ideas in pimping out your your buggy? Uh, sadly, I don't own a buggy. I just, you know, I get. Oh, we gotta sort that out. If I, if I did, nah, Kip, come on a, now, Kip, come on, keg of Guinness on the back. <laughs> Yeah, we gotta sort that one out for you, kid. Yeah, I think I think I'll um it would definitely be a speaker. I mean, you've seen those speakers that you can attach yeah. to. Them. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't have one of those yet. You know, the don't worry, kid. We'll sort. We're very creative on this podcast. We'll sort that side out for um, you. Um, there you go. G fully open. Yeah. I have the pimpest buggy ever. Yeah, if you yeah. sort us out with voice notes um Lessons. on your travels um <laughs> on <laughs> different yeah sorry you can just directly send me some DMs on there. Uh, <laughs> Hole by hole analysis. Um, you're in danger now of getting a podcast, a six minute podcast after every round I play, <laughs> like detailing every shot I've hit, which these lads have been subjected to. Um, we just don't listen to them anymore. Yeah, if you agree, <laughs> the amount of people at my own club, they're like, they come up to me, they're like, or any club, and they sort of go, oh, like, I go, how'd you play? And they're like, yeah, I played really well. And on the 18th hole, oh, nothing worse. My dad's, my dad's the worst. Is, I'll ask him how he didn't get to play much, but I'll ask him and he goes, he won't even tell me how the round went. He won't even tell me what the score he shot. He goes, Oh, on hole twelve and thirteen, I you know, <laughs> yeah. like, that's not the round it goes. That's, that's, a, that's a sign of a bad round when they've got to tell you about yeah, like exactly. specific yeah. shots. Yeah. So yeah, Kip, you're gonna send us voice notes on um the various points of Guinness that you've seen on your travels. Um uh-huh. and we'll sort but, you out like, with the buggy. I've that's all the questions from me, Ben. Are you are you questioned out? That was honestly that Brilliant. was that was very good. I think, uh, I, apart from just being an inspiration for the way you take on golf, I think people will, honestly, people will take lessons out of that. Like that was yeah. My only other point is, uh, when I was listening to that podcast with the Australian crowd, he did a he did a question segment where he, he gave you a quick fire question and he oh, said. Yeah. Kip, he said, what's your favorite brand? And without even hesitation, you said Titleist. There wasn't even a hint of saying, well, these guys are They're really good. You were straight in there Give with Titleist. So, we'll get you more clothes. The next time you get asked that, you got to yeah. give, give the yeah, right answer. I, I, yeah, to be fair, I don't even remember the quick five questions he gave me. When you said Titleist, I was like, okay, that's all right. Because I was actually yeah. worried about doing something a lot worse. Quack, quack, quack. Quack, 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 quack. When they put... Yeah. Um, in Dubai, they put me and Ben, I mentioned he's my mate from uni. You know, it's quite surreal to think two years or three years ago, we were having a pint in the uni pub. Yeah. But, you know, pretty yeah. Fun, but, um, he, we're, we're in Dubai last year and we're doing quite well in the final round. And they, they told me they might want to put like a camera in the buggy. 
And obviously, the moment they came up to me, like the 15th, like, oh, can we put the camera there? I was like, yeah, sure. Me and Ben just looked at each other. We did not say a thing until that camera came off the buggy. <laughs> we were like, you know, there's nothing to talk about going around the golf course. It's, yeah. One, it's random. Like, it's completely random. And two, we were just like, do not say anything. <laughs> Incriminating. I the bed, I was like, we're going to get in. And my agent was like, yeah, you've lost all your sponsorship. <laughs> so it's quite right. Um, um, no, yeah. I, d- I did have one f- question. Um your kind of the plans for the year obviously you're playing on the g4d and you're throwing in lots of amateur stuff i heard that you do have plans to go to q school and like obviously the eventual ambition is play full professional on the professional tour so just yeah like walk us through kind of quickly what your year is and what the kind of plan is yeah so i've got a lot of big amateur events coming up because my aim is if i can win one of two of those which i genuinely think i'm playing good enough golf too one that would be pretty cool but two it's you know i think walk cup selection in the sense that the squad's been named but that doesn't mean you can't get in it so you know if i go and have stupid good rounds and win a couple of those big events and um, that would be awesome just to be in the conversation right i mean yeah people are starting to look a little bit but you know i just think it'd be pretty cool so that's that's my main aim and then the g4d stuff obviously um and then uh regarding professional golf it's i'll definitely do all the qualifying schools um, and I don't play golf to just turn up, right? I want I want to be at a stage where I'm. So I'm working a lot on my club head speed. Um, okay. It's just it's something. It's I hit it extremely optimal, but it's something that if I can get that up, everyone would play better if they hit it further. You know, too yeah, many people yeah. are scared of swinging it quick. It's like often your actual dispersion gets tighter um, yeah. because you just think about it. You just it's almost like instead of driving a Ford, you're driving a Ferrari. You know, your mechanics yeah. are better, right? It's not you still can keep a pull hard, swing hard at it. Exactly. So hit hit hell out of it, and um, basically, I, that's one thing I'm working on. Top, so you mean that basically I can compete on more golf courses. You know, compete when yeah. it's not firm, when it's not fast. Um, and so for Q school with the professional game, the way it's looking at the moment, I mean, it's all it's all a bit up in the air. You know, there's here in England, you had you had the Euro Pro Tour. Now that's gone. Yeah, they've got the Touch Tour, and they're offering, um, you know. Uh, a couple start, I think top two get challenged all starts next year, which is worse than what Europro were offering. Yeah. But they do have incentives throughout the year. So it's long story short, is it's sort of, you don't really know which tour to go on. So yeah. I'll definitely be doing European tours, Q school. I'll do um, Asian tour as well, because obviously it's cheaper to live out in Asia in the sense of travel and everything like that. And obviously with the the funding they've got, now it's there's a lot of opportunity. I mean, it was the first year that Asian tour was oversubscribed. Yeah. Um, for Q school last year, so I think for me, I I will definitely do all the Q schools, but I don't I don't really know what the plan is. My plans to play, you know, good golf takes care of it, good right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Play enough, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Often win yeah, the British. As I say, I always I always had a plan of turning pro way before this, um, and at the moment it's been going well. And as I say, I I feel like you know people say that pro golf and amateur golf are different, and I agree but also disagree it's the same golf shot right it's yeah. the same you're still hitting the same shots you just need to be better at it and i mean so many people in my view there's not there's no such thing as turning pro too early or too late but in the sense of age but there's definitely yeah. turning pro too early and too late in your development like roy yeah. mackerel is pro 18 absolutely be stupid not to yeah. but there's so many kids i know that one i mean they turn pro i've been very fortunate with the g4d stuff and stuff to get funding that should allow me to you know i get to act like a professional i get you know with my legs one thing you you know asked earlier what was different is i have three 
physio sessions a week now. You know, I get to look after my body properly and it's been a huge game changer um, because stretching for me is quite uh, challenging in the sense of, because my muscles are so tight, for me to get in those positions, I have to work hard to get into them and then I yeah. can't relax. Yeah. Someone help me, but that's been huge. Um, but it's, I would just say that basically too many too many people I know have turned pro and they don't have any funding. They don't have any, they've not got any big amateur wins behind their belt. Yes. Yeah, no, okay. no corporates are going to come to them. And that's not to say you can't do it, but I just feel like you wouldn't open a shop without all your stock on the shelf. Exactly. Like, if you yeah, exactly, own yeah. a shop and someone yeah. walks in, what you're selling, oh, a pint of milk, that's it. Yeah. You don't sell many. It- yeah, just going to say, if you go pro too early, you then miss out on playing all that amazing amateur golf. There's so many amazing events out there. 100%. Like, I think if if you go off and win the British Amateur, I think you'll be staying amateur, mm. so you can play in Augusta, play in the Open. Well, that's like... it. You know, I was speaking to some of the amateur guys in Australia, and they said, "Why would I turn pro? I've got four chances to play a major this year. Yeah. And if they yeah. win one of the big amateur events, they can you yeah. get majors." And so, I think what I would say is, it's is out of it is is. If I turn pro, until you get challenge tour and stuff, you're not going to make financial much yeah. gain. And it's not, I don't do this for money, but as an amateur at the moment, I can play in all the biggest amateur events in the world. The USAM, I'm going for qualifying over in America. Sure. But I can play any professional invites I get. Yeah. Yes, I might not win the 3K prize fund or whatever it is, but I feel like unless you have a standout year, you're not going to make profit anyway. So yeah. Yeah, for, for where I am in the game, I definitely will be turning pro at the end of the year, most likely and, and stuff like that. But I just feel that, you know, my aim is to play the toughest events I can and be the best golfer I can. And so being, being amateur allows me to play which, yeah. whichever events I get invited to. But then also the other thing is being amateur is different for me, right? It's, I have sponsorship. I basically, I play for my living now. I, you know, yeah. I, in these tournaments knowing that if i won the tournaments or won well i'd get sponsorship and i needed the sponsorship because i needed the physio and i needed you know the events so i've played yeah. for money i play for as now the amateur rules are changing top amateur golf was play for money in the sense of they play for the sponsorship yeah, the chap yeah. that, um sam burns who did well in the masters he when he the next day he had a sponsorship with t-mobile and put post- sam bennett sam yeah, bennett yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, so, not not a fan, but it, that's all right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But what he's I, very I'm slow golfer. Saying, yeah. I'm just saying is that you would he, it. I think to think that amateurs aren't playing for their living is a bit no, silly. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amateur. Yeah. Yes, you're not playing for cash in the bank, but you're still playing for starts and still playing for challenge yeah. starts. So. No, yeah. Kip, I can Kip, I can see it now. Covered its new Guinness correspondent wins the British amateur. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Whilst doing a pint of Guinness, yeah. No, 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 yeah. um, um, Kip, that was unreal. Yeah, Kip, that was an absolute pleasure. Um, that was class. Yeah, me. I, I hope you have as good a year as you did last year. Honestly, the I would turn look at the results and Kip has won another event. I'm like, <laughs> it's, it's great. Like more pictures of, of quack, a quack athlete quack holding a trophy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it was obviously unbelievable. It's been great fun having you as a quack alpha. We're looking forward to more of it this year. Yeah, no, thank you for all the support. I really appreciate it. So. No, it's no been great. Uh, Kip, you're, I'm gonna, you're I'm getting inspiration. Down to for, I'm just going to say, I'm going to get down for a game at some stage now. I'm in London. So uh, next time yeah, you've absolutely. got to... Got a bit of time free. I'll come. maybe uh, Patrick will come over and we'll come down. To I'll you. come too. I'll come too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, Kip, you're an inspiration. Um, you're also, a, as they say in Munster, you're a feckin' legend after, <laughs> after that podcast. Brilliant. Honestly, uh, best of luck turning pro, man. 
um you're you can consider yourself a friend of covered it now 100 <laughs> percent. thank you uh, very and much and please send us the voice notes on the different various uh, I will. Yeah. 100%. It's been, it's, thank you for again for that was great crack uh kip thanks so much man yeah awesome cool all right cheers kip we'll be in touch cheers, guys. see you later kip see you later cheers, cheers.